Good morning. You know, I'm really blessed today in many ways, but this is the very first time that the worship team sang before my message. So, I mean, it's truly a blessing. And we have so much great music in our church, from our soloists to our duets and our trios and our, our gospel touch, the choir and the worship team. It is a blessing to sing to the Lord. And these songs were, were so beautiful, and it's such a blessing to uh, have them. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Father, we thank you for this worship team. We thank you for the music we have to sing. Lord, you've put a a new song in our hearts, even praise to our God. And we're so thankful for the great salvation that we have. And now as we have the opportunity to open your word, Lord, we come before you with trembling, with fear and trembling, knowing that this is the holy book of God, the holy word of God, given by inspiration of God through men who wrote it down for us. And we're so thankful. May we never take this lightly, Lord. May we know that you have a message for us today. And we pray that we will have eyes to see it and ears to hear it and a heart to receive it, Lord. And so we just pray now that you will hide me behind the cross, Lord. We pray that the word would go forward, that these would be your words, Lord, to our hearts. Change us, Lord. Teach us. Mold us in your ways. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, when you think about it, the devil is out to get each one of us. Individually and as a church, he's out to get us. Now, if he can't get through the front door, he'll go around back. If he can't get through the back door, he'll come through a side window. And if he can't get in there, he'll go down through the chimney. It doesn't matter because the devil wants to get us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knows how to get to us. But guess what? Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And the Lord is able to give us victory in all that we do. But we have to be on guard. We have to be careful. We have to be alert to his attacks. The Lord Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, 41, these words, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Until we get to heaven, we're going to have this flesh. The devil is going to continue to attack. He's going to come against the church. He's going to come against God's people. But as the scripture says, upon my church, I will build upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's our victory. That's our assurance that we stand on the Savior and on what he's done for us on the cross. The Lord also said in Matthew 24:43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You just think, if you knew when the thief was coming, you wouldn't need a burglar alarm system. You wouldn't need police officers to guard. You wouldn't need any of that because you'd know when the thief was coming and you'd be able to guard it. We don't know exactly when the devil's going to attack, so we have to be ready 24-7 because the devil doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take staycations. He doesn't take breaks or holidays. The devil doesn't take some time off in the Cayman Islands or anything like this. The devil is out to get his church. And the sad thing about many Christians today and professing Christians today is they're not on guard. They're not on guard. That's why Brother Adrian Rogers, when he was speaking, he said, the church is asleep. The church is asleep. So we need to wake up and be on guard against the schemes and attacks of the devil. We need to know our enemy and know how he works so that we can stand firm on the word of God and be faithful. 
In the Old Testament, when Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and the temple and so forth, it says that the guards that they had were the people that were workers. So they were on the wall working and they had in one hand a weapon and in one hand they had a tool. And that's exactly how we have to be every day. We have to have a weapon to fight the good fight of faith, which is the Bible, God's Word. And we also have to have a, a tool to fight. And that's, that's what? The Bible is a twofold purpose. It's a two-edged sword. We have it. And so we fight the good fight of faith and we serve Him at the same time, being aware that the devil is going to fight us every step of the way. The title of our message today is Guard the Gates. Guard the Gates. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to read five verses from Proverbs chapter 4. It's our main text today. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. And you'll see it up on on the uh, screen. Here Solomon writing says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Lest your eyes, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, years ago when I was six years old, my mom took me on a trip to Europe and we went over to Buckingham Palace. That was one of the many places we went. And I still remember the changing of the guard. They would have the guard. The one guard would come in. He would take his place as the other was leaving. There was always a guard on duty. And if you've seen it on TV or commercials or whatever, those guards are focused. They are vigilant. They don't move. They're standing at attention on guard duty, vigilant. You can wave your hand in front of them. You can talk to them. You can scream at them. You can do whatever you want to them, but they are not going to blink. They're not going to flinch. They're on guard duty. They're serious about it. And that's the way the Lord wants us to take our mission today seriously because the devil takes it seriously and we have to be on guard 24-7, as I said. I like what the dictionary uses to define the word guard. It says to keep safe from harm, to watch over and protect, to hold in check, to restrain, to control, to keep watch, to take precautions. And I love this one, a posture of alert readiness for defense. Isn't that beautiful? A posture for alert readiness for defense. We have to be on guard. We have to guard The gates. And there's four gates in this passage that I've read today, and there are four of them. And we have to guard them diligently. Number one, the gate of the heart. Number two, the gate of our mouth or our tongue. Third, the gate of our eyes. And fourth, the gate of our feet. These are four gates. Four aspects of the Christian life that are vital and important to be on guard Every day. Well, let's look at the first one, the gate of the heart. The most important, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Since I've had these issues to do with my heart, I've come to realize that the heart is vitally important to our body. 
It makes everything work. If the, if the blood comes in, the heart pumps it out. And it just continues this life cycle. If your heart stops, that's it. That's time. So the heart is so important. It's the key organ of the body. And spiritually, our hearts are the most important thing that we have. And the heart is really composed of three things. The intellect, the emotions, and the will. And so God wants us to guard those things in our lives. Guard them. Be on guard every day. Because if our hearts are right with God, then everything will flow beautifully from it. But if our hearts are not right with the Lord, then nothing we do is going to work. It's not going to fit. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. So we have to be on guard for our hearts. I like what it says in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33. I've been reading this book recently and it's such a blessing. And it says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This should be our prayer today. Lord, write your word on my heart. Write your law on my heart. So I know it. I have it here in front of me, but write it on my heart. That's why I have to put in a plug for the memory class. We had a beautiful class today and we're studying about faithfulness. I encourage everybody to come. Because when you memorize God's word, you've got a tool. And when things happen and things come up and troubles happen, we can recall the memory verses we've had and we can fight the good fight of faith. We can win the victory. We can be encouraged. Because one of the big things the devil's doing nowadays, he's trying to bring us into a state of depression. He's trying to depress us. I was listening to the Christian station the other day in the car and this young lady was speaking about a song that she'd written. And she said, you know, I've heard from a lot of people have commented to me that they're going through depression. Now, these aren't people out in the world now. These are Christians in churches today. These are professing Christians. They're going through depression. The devil is really working hard to depress God's people, to discourage God's people, to get us down, to get us off the track, to get us to go out and leave and, and go on our way. But remember that song we sang, to give up, I'd be a fool. To give up this Christian life, to give up walking with the Lord, to give up serving with the Lord, to give up my ministry for the Lord, I'd be a fool to walk away. And yet so many people do it today. They walk away. They give it up so easily. May the Lord encourage us to have a heart that beats for Jesus. To have a heart that is right with Him, that is for His service. It's so very important. There's a Latin phrase that I found, which is sursum corda. Sursum corda. It means lift up your hearts. Lift up your hearts. That heart for the Lord. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when they asked him, what is the most important commandment of all? He said, the most important commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the key thing. Our hearts have to be right with the Lord. John Bunyan, who lived many years ago, said the fear of God is seated in the heart. And I may call it, as it were, the main fortress, the mystical world, the man. It's placed in, not in the head as the knowledge is, nor is it placed in the mouth as utterance is, but it's in the heart, the seat of all. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. He sinned. He stumbled like we do. We're just like him. He's like us. 
But the key to it was, is he loved the Lord. And the Lord never let him stray too far. And the Lord loved him and he loved God. And he was a man after God's own heart. I think that's the greatest title any believer can have is to be a person, a man or a woman, after God's own heart. That's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. But the question is today, is my heart right toward the Lord? Now, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, your heart is not right toward the Lord. Don't leave the doors today. Don't leave the building today without accepting Jesus Christ into your heart. He wants to come and rule your heart. He wants to save your life and give you a new heart and give you a new life. And if you don't know Him, today's the day to accept Him. He died for you on the cross. He died for me on the cross. And all we have to do is believe in Him, trust Him, accept Him into our hearts, into our lives, and He will change our lives forever. And that's the key. And once we are saved, He wants us to have a heart for Him. Proverbs 23, 6 says, For as He thinks in His heart, so is He. You know, you ever stop to notice that whatever's inside a person is going to come out, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Just like a computer, garbage in, garbage out. If you put the right thing into the computer, you're going to get the right thing out. But if you don't, it's not going to be good. And so the same thing is true with us. If we feed on the husks and the, and the things of this world that are of no nutrition at all, how can we expect to be strong for the Lord? There's a lot of junk out there, pardon the French as they say, a lot of junk, a lot of things that are not good. And that's why when we feed on this book, on the word of God, we will become strong and we will become faithful and we will become obedient to the Lord and serve him. We want to feed on God's word. And yet so many people today think it's okay to give a message from another book. No, this is the only book to speak from. It's God's word. And that is a blessing to us. Isaiah 29, 13 says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. May that not be true of us. So many times I think it's easy to talk a good sermon, but it's much more difficult to live one. Someone once said, What you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. And that is very, very true. And the Lord wants us to guard our hearts so that Satan cannot come in and steal anything and take away our first love. And so that's the first gate to guard, the gate of the heart. How is your heart today? What is the condition of your heart today? You know, you can go into the doctor and they can check your heart rate. They can check your blood pressure. They can check everything and they can say you're either doing real good or you've got an issue. And the same thing is true in the spiritual life. Jesus is the great physician. He wants us to to be checked out. He wants our heart to be right. The second gate is the mouth gate. And he says in verse 24, Put away a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. It's amazing to me in the world today, and sadly, even among many Christians, that it's okay to tell a little bit of a lie. It's okay to be a little bit deceitful. No, a little bit of sin is still sin. The Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So if we speak anything that's out of turn or wrong or bad or off color or anything questionable, it's going to leave a bad taste in someone else. And God forbid that we should stumble anybody. Especially God's people, but also people in the world can be stumbled by our words. That's why we have to be straight shooters. That's why we have to speak the truth and they know us. 
They know us that they're going to tell the truth. And that's the best testimony you can have. They can say, I know Sung and I know him a long time and he doesn't speak but the truth. That's the kind of testimony we want to have for the Lord every day of our life. We want to be people of honesty, people of integrity, people that can be counted on to speak the right thing. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he told them, therefore, putting away lying, each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Yes, words have power. They really do. They have great power and they can have a great effect for good or they can have a great effect for evil. All depends on the words. And where do the words come from? They come from the heart. So it starts with the heart gate. Be sure your heart gate is guarded. Secondly, be be sure your mouth gate is guarded. The tongue and things that come from the tongue can often cause us many problems. That's why in Ephesians 4.29, Paul told the Ephesians also, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is necessary for edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Sometimes we may not say something that's totally bad, but it's not edifying. It's not good. And it may harm another believer. It may harm another person. We have to be careful what we say. And you never notice that once that word goes out, you can't grab it. Oh, sometimes we'd like to, wouldn't we? The word comes out of our mouth and we know it's bad and it's going to hit somebody like an arrow and we wish we could just grab it and take it over. I want a do-over, Lord. I want a takeover, Lord. Let's, let's try it again. I missed it on that one. But you can't. You cannot take the words back. Now, you can go and apologize. You can ask person to forgive you and so forth and it will, it will smooth it. But the key is to speak the truth in love and, and speak those words which will be a blessing. There was a Greek sage by the name of Publius and he once said this, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. And I thought, no, wait a minute. That's pretty amazing. Because how many times if we would have kept silent, we wouldn't have said anything bad and we wouldn't have got ourselves in trouble. Keep silent. But I will add this. There's a time when we're not to keep silent either. If there's a time to stand up and take a testimony for the Lord or somebody asks us a question, well, is this right or is this wrong? There's a time to speak, but there's also a time to keep silent. May the Lord help us because our tongues can get us into trouble. I read kind of an amusing story. It was told that on a windswept hill in an English churchyard stands a drab gray slate tombstone. The quaint stone bears an epitaph not easily seen unless you stoop over and look closely. The faint etchings read this. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Okay, when did she start to hold her tongue? When she's six feet under. By that time, folks, it's too late. I think we need to guard our tongues now so we don't be like this Arabella Young that started to guard her tongue at that time. May God help us. We need to have tongues for Him. It's like it says in that hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. I remember one time a brother was sharing on the tongue and the book of James is is chapter 3. It's got so much about the tongue. And one of the verses that is so amazing says in verse 8 of chapter 3, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. 
That shows how our words can be so destructive. Words can either be destructive or they can be constructive. May the Lord help us to have constructive words that build up people, that encourage people, that put our arms around them and say, this is okay, we're going to get through it. Like when I heard about Barbara the other day, I immediately started praying, Lord, be with her, heal her, strengthen her. And that's the blessing. We pray for each other and we speak words of love and encouragement to one another. So very important. But, you know, like I said, our words can get us in trouble. And I read a story about a man who got in trouble not once but twice with his words, but he somehow got out of it. A man was working in the produce department one day at a local grocery store, and a lady came in and asked if she could buy half a head of lettuce. Okay, half a head. He replied, half a head? Are you serious? God grows these in full heads, and that's how we sell them. She insisted, and she said, After all the years I've shopped here, you mean you won't sell me half a head? Look, he said, if you'd like, I'll ask the manager. So she indicated she would really appreciate that. So the young man marched up to the front of the store and he said this. You won't believe this, but this lame-brained idiot of a lady back there wants to know if she can buy a half a head of lettuce. He noticed the manager gesturing. And he, fought, he looked back and he saw the lady there and he says, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. <laughs> I said, man, this guy is pretty quick. He's pretty quick. <clears throat> he is pretty quick. Well, later in that day, the manager went up to the young man and he said to him, that was the finest example of thinking on your feet that I've ever seen. Where did you learn that? And the young man says, well, I grew up in Grand Rapids. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, that it's known for its great hockey and its ugly women. The manager's face flushed and he interrupted. My wife is from Grand Rapids. And what hockey team is she from? (laughs) Oh, amazing. Amazing how we can get in trouble by the things that we say. And we've all done it. And we say, Lord, guard my lips, guard my words, so that when I speak, I will be a blessing, not a destructive force. Third gate, and this is a very important gate. The third gate is the eye gate, the things that we see. Notice it says in verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. You know, it's so easy to get distracted in the world today. We're walking through life and all of a sudden we look over here and we get distracted. Or we looked over there and we get distracted. Something happened. And the Lord says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's where we want to be. Because we can get into trouble otherwise. And the eyes are called the windows of the soul. Have you ever looked at a person and you can kind of look into their eyes and it's like you're looking right inside them. You can see other people. You look in their eyes. They have this glazed look. You can't tell what they're thinking. But whether you can tell or not tell, the windows of the soul are there. And they're very, very important. And I was thinking about this yesterday when I was meditating on this. People today are looking at things that are very much hurtful and harmful. Whether it's on TV, in magazines, in newspapers, books, novels, internet, it's bad. 
And, and what's happened now, the devil got really smart on this now, because now you don't even need to have a book, a bad book to read anymore. You just get it on the Internet and it comes right to your computer and you can you can read or he'll get you on the Internet. All these different sites that people go to. It's terrible looking at the wrong things. And if you look at the wrong things and continue to do that, what's going to happen? You're going to do wrong things because where did it start? Started in the heart. Where did it go from there? It went to the mouth. And now it comes through the eye gate. The eyes are so very important. That's what got Eve into this whole mess of sin that we're in today. All because it says she looked and she saw that it was good for food. And she desired it and she took it. The lust of the eyes is the first thing mentioned. And then the lust of the flesh and then the pride of life. That got Eve into trouble and it's still getting us as sinners into trouble also because we're looking at the wrong things. And when we look at the wrong things, we're sure to fall. So many people say that won't affect me. No, no. I can look at that. I can see that TV show. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. Believe me, it affects you. The scripture says bad company corrupts good morals. It's true whether you're with somebody or you're watching something on TV. Some of these shows are just awful. Even if you're passing through the channels and you see them and you just say, these are bad. And they always do it in the, in the sense, in the guise of comedy and they make it, people laugh, but there's bad things in there. And they rub off on us. The bad language can rub off on us. It's sad. So we have to be careful what we look at. We have to be careful what we listen to. So important. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. As soon as we think we're going to be okay, as soon as we think, oh, it won't happen to me, won't happen to me, Lord, I'm not going to fall. That's exactly what happened to Peter. He says, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. I'll never deny you. I'll even die with you. And Jesus said this. He says, Peter, the devil has desire to sift you like wheat, but after you have been restored, then strengthen your brethren. And that's what happened. But Peter, had he went through all of that because his eyes were off the Lord and on the world. May the Lord help us to look at the right things, to keep our eyes straight ahead. We oftentimes study about Joseph. And Joseph was a man of God. And we remember the story in the book of Genesis and how Potiphar's wife, day by day, she was after him and after him and after him. And we don't know for sure from what the scripture says, but I have a feeling she was a beautiful woman and she was after him. And it says, Joseph, he kept his eyes off of her. He turned away from her. And then from there, he ran away from her and finally got away completely. And even though it cost him his freedom, he was put into jail. He kept his integrity. He kept his godliness. He didn't fall. May the Lord help us to be like that, to turn away from looking at any vain things of this world. You know, sometimes you watch these horse races and you see the horses running. Have you ever seen them with the blinders on? You see these horses and they put the blinders on like this so the horse is running down the track and he won't be looking over to the horse over here or he won't be looking over to the horse over there. He's got the blinders on. He's focused and he's running down the track and he wins the race. God wants us to win the race too and He wants us to put on spiritual blinders so that we are not affected by the world over here, by the devil over here, by people over there. The Lord wants us to be undistracted by the things of this world. And you know, the Lord sees everything. He sees everything that we see. In Second Chronicles 16, 19, I love this verse because it's so powerful. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth 
to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Our eyes are important. What we look at is important. That's why Jesus, he gave it a clear example of how important the eyes are. He said in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, just how important it is. He said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, clear or healthy, your body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, evil or unhealthy, your whole body is, will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, this world is bombarding us every day with darkness, with sin, with temptation, every day. Bill McDonald wrote this in his commentary a number of years ago, and it's so true today. In a day when the mass media bombards us with publicity designed to arouse our animal appetite, we must learn to keep our eyes on Jesus. That should be our prayer, and we should pray it for our kids too. Parents, you have a great responsibility because you are not only to be on guard duty for yourself, but to guard your kids too. That's why sometimes it means homeschooling them. And then believe me, they're better off. Sometimes it may mean putting them in a Christian school. They'll be better off. Because the public schools, it's bad out there. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. So that's the, the third gate. We've had the gate of the heart. We've had the gate of the mouth. And now we've had the gate of the eyes. Are we willing to guard those gates? Because it's so very important. And then the fourth gate is our feet. Notice in verses 26... And 27, it says, ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Yes, we need to ponder the path of our feet. You know, the feet speaks of where we go in life. It speaks of what we do in life. And if you go to the wrong places, and you, you're going to get in trouble. It happens. I mean, it happens. And that's why we have to keep on the right path. That's why in Scripture, the path that we're on is what it's called is the straight and narrow path. The world is on the broad road that leads to destruction. Everybody's on it. But the Christian path, it's, it's straight and it's narrow and it leads to everlasting life. And we have to be willing to stay on that path. We need to keep in fellowship with the Lord and with each other because the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to put us off by ourselves, get us all alone, and then he can attack us. If we stay together, we're a mighty force for God. And that's what he wants us to do. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 5:15 and 16, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we're living in some pretty evil times. And God wants us to choose our friends wisely. To choose who we associate wisely. Because if we associate with people that are not good, they are going to rub off on us. It's not going to be the other way around. And that's why I mentioned parents. We have to separate our kids. And they will thank you for it later. They really will. They may not be happy with it right now. Why can't I play with so-and-so? Why can't I go out with so-and-so? Why can't I go to this party? Why can't I do it? No, you can't. We need to honor the Lord Jesus. They will eventually, when they come to know the Lord, they will thank you for it. Thank you for not allowing me to do that. And that's the way the Lord is with us. He's our parent. He's our heavenly father. He wants the best for us. He doesn't want us to stray and go off the path and and walk this way or walk that way. He wants us to walk on the path he's chosen for us to follow his plan and his direction. And then it will be a blessing for us. Yes, so many Christians today, though, 
You see them. They walk for a while. They come for a while and then they disappear. Oh, where is so-and-so? What happened to them? They veered off the path. And it's so amazing because you find out their true self came out. Because you can hide it. You can cover it up. You can do all of these things. But guess what? It's going to come out. It's going to come out. The dirt's going to be uncovered. So many politicians had all these skeletons in their closet and running for president. Oh, yeah, four years, we're going to win, we're going to win. And then you come out with what's in their, in their closet, the sin and all these things. That's it. They're out, eliminated. And we have to be so careful what happens to us. J. Vernon McGee tells the story of a young man who was arrested while he was, he was young and he had a record. And later on, throughout his life, that record kept coming back and coming back and coming back and haunting him, all because of that indiscretion of his youth. That's why it's so important, young people, all of us, too, is to live clean lives because if we get mixed up in these things, it can ruin our lives. Not just for a while, but it can ruin our whole life. One moment of indiscretion or passion, it will not help us at all. J. Vernon McGee goes on to say, he says, In this day, when the use of drugs and liquor is so prevalent among young folk, how careful we should be. How tragic it is to see multitudes of youngsters who are destroying themselves because they do not ponder the path of their feet. You know, if we would take a step backwards before we take a step forwards and think, what am I really doing here? What am I really getting myself into? What am I really involved with here? Is this what I want to do? Is this how I want to get involved with my life? Do I want to be smoking marijuana? Do I want to be going to these parties and drinking? And do I want to be involved with these kind of things? Oh, nobody may find out about it. Maybe I'm hiding it. But hey, we have to be on guard against that. We have to have our guard up always. So may the Lord help us to remember these four gates. The first gate is the heart. That's where it's important. He says, out of it, issues... The issues of life come forth. We need to have our hearts right with God. We need to be right with Him every day and we need to express it by being obedient and faithful. And then secondly, we need to be on guard for our mouths, what we look at, what we consider, what TV shows we watch, movies we go to. You know, God is looking. He's watching. And He wants us to guard those gates. And He wants to guard what we look at and He wants to guard what we say in our tongues. And finally, he wants to guard our feet where we go. Before we close, I just want to read you a little song. It's uh, entitled, Oh, Be Careful, Little Eyes. And we we know this song, it's a blessing, but the words of it go with this message 100%. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a father up above and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. There's a father up above and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. And finally, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. 
Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a father up above and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. Shall we close in prayer and ask God to help us to apply his word in our lives today? Father, we just thank you for the challenge of your word. And we know that we're living in a very sinful, ungodly, wicked, evil society, Lord, where there's so much around us. Lord, help us to be on guard against the Satan's attacks, a guard against the world's attacks. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you all the way, not just for a few days or a few months or years. Help us to be faithful all the way till we get to heaven, Lord. Don't let the devil get us off track. Don't let him get us, Lord. And we pray that we will be on guard over our hearts, over everything that goes into our hearts, that we will feed on your word, Lord, and fill our minds with your truth. And Lord, please help us to fill our mouths with your word so that your word will be an encouragement to others and comfort and that we can be a blessing to those who are unsaved. And Lord, we pray that you will give us eyes to see what you would have us to see, Lord. Help us to turn our eyes away from the wicked things of this world and to live in Christ with the spiritual blinders on, Lord. Help us to guard our eyes. And help us also to guard our our mouths, Lord, the things that we say, and also our feet, the places that we go. Help us to be a blessing. And so we commit this time to you and pray that you will mold us in your ways, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, if we've gotten off the path. Get us back on the right, straight and narrow path so that we can walk in obedience to you. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen.